Hallelujah. And I'll tell you one thing about the ministry of the word in this church is that you can always count no matter who's preaching. You can always count on it being anointed and being the word and not some goofy doctrine and not some weird thing that's done. And you're sitting there, you know, trying to figure out what, what, you know, <laughs> but, uh, the, we just go from grace to grace and glory to glory and uh, continue to be fed. The main, I've always said this, and I think we forget it, the main job of the pastor is to feed the sheep. That's the number one job. And uh, that's the really the only thing that the, that Jesus mentioned about pastors, is to feed the sheep. And uh, so many pastors, bless their hearts, they get so bogged down and doing everything else that by the time they get up to preach, they're exhausted. And, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, don't, don't, um, give the full attention to what needs to be there. Amen. But in this church, we are and we will always put the word first. Amen. And we appreciate good music and we appreciate worship and all that, but we, but we, uh, we don't put that in front of the word. Amen. The word comes first. And, uh, and, uh, you know, because next Tuesday when uh, we're not having service, and there's not inspiration coming from here uh, in your home at 2 a.m., and you've got a spiritual warfare or physical warfare or something else coming against you, you need to know how to stand on the Word. Amen? You can't call up and say, you know, sing Sister Smith. Amen? You have to, and inspire me, you have to. You have to do your own singing <laughs> and your own worshiping. Amen. And uh, like I've said, many times you just need to have your own little church service right at your house. Amen. Sing a little and prophesy a little and read the word and pray and, and declare the word of God. Amen. Preach to yourself. All right. Hebrews. We're going to look tonight. Uh, won't keep you here uh, past curfew. You have to explain to your daddy why you're home late. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 3, 7. We're going to begin reading there. We've got a lot of ground to cover here tonight, and hopefully we'll just plow right through because it's just a wonderful theme. And it's uh, about entering into the rest of God, uh, entering into his rest. Uh, our Christian walk and walk with the Lord while sometimes there's warfare and things can get intense. But our walk and our faith in Christ should be easy. It should be something that's normal, something that we rest in. Amen. And when we use the word rest, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, I, I know there's been a lot of extremes, uh, in, in uh, the subject of grace and finished work and righteousness. And some people almost preach it like, uh, you know, you, you don't ever have to do anything. You don't, you don't, you don't have, there's no part that we have to play. And that's an extreme. That's, that's wrong. We do have a part to play. And, and Paul here, who I call Dr. Grace and Dr. Righteousness and Dr. Finished Work, because he explained it to us better than anybody. Um, he is the one who is telling us that we must do something. Amen. So it wouldn't be, it's not throwing grace under the bus to say we have something to do. Amen? And yet you can get in the other ditch where it's all you. 
and barely anything of God. You know, you're just working hard and, you know, I'm, it's a hard and rocky road and I'm going up it and, and y'all pray I don't slip and fall. And, and there's that extreme where there's no faith at all in, in what Jesus has already done. So we need to start our faith journey, our faith walk, our, our, our uh, rest in God. We need to start it on the foundation of Christ the solid rock, what we just sang. You know, there's, that, that is the real message of grace right there in that hymn that it's on Christ we stand. Amen. And we don't stand on ourselves. How do you stand on yourself? You can't do that. But, um, people try. You know, they get an E for effort, I guess. But, um, we are standing on the, uh, the old hymn says, we're standing on the promises. We're standing on the word. He is our solid rock. So we don't start into life and into warfare, uh, with nothing. Like we've got to always climb up someplace. We start on top of the finished work of Jesus. We start with victory. Amen. We start with victory and end with victory. And it's, we're on the victory road. Hallelujah. And, uh, so maybe that'll help you. All right. Now look at Hebrews 3, 7, talking about entering into rest. Oh, I know what I was going to say. When we see the word rest, it does indicate like, you know, you've been working hard and then you take a day off and you don't do a whole lot that day. You just rest. There is that concept of rest, but it's also foundational in the sense that a building rests on the foundation. Uh, believe it or not, the most important part of this church building is not the, the beautiful wood beams or the ceiling or even the uh, poured floor. It's what's underground that you can't see. It's, it's the foundation is there's piers, uh, underneath each of these, um, columns. And in fact, there's, uh, fortified piers under this particular building, under the columns. And so it's the part you don't see that is the most important part. So, um, we would say that this building or your home rests on the foundation. Amen. So when we're talking about resting in God and resting in Christ and resting in grace and finished work, we're not talking about somebody said, well, that looks like a guy in a hammock, you know, under the shade tree. Well, there's nothing wrong with hammock under the shade tree, uh, as long as they've sprayed your community for mosquitoes. But, uh, <laughs> and the alligators aren't hungry, but, um, I, I don't know how long I'd want to sleep out in my yard, to be honest. But uh, I will tell you that uh, uh, rest, when the Bible talks about rest and entering into rest, it's not so much just R&R, relaxation, do nothing. It's not, that's, that's not, that's not, that's not the word. <laughs> Amen. And um, I, I get the illustration and it's used and it's overused. But rest, we mean uh, uh, having faith. It's like sitting on the pew there. You, you, you came in this seating that we have in our church. Um, I don't think anybody before they sat down, uh, you know, got up underneath and make sure that the, the supports are there and, and everything is going to hold you up and you're concerned that it might collapse. I have been in buildings where you wondered, but, uh, 
Uh, <laughs> I will tell you a story about that. But, um, you know, nobody, I, I, I noticed everybody just walked in and casually sat down, and that's an exercise of faith in rest. In other words, you sat down, you rested on the, 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 uh, the seating, uh, the pew, the church pew, uh, uh, just, just automatically confident that it was going to hold you up. And that's the kind of rest we're talking about in Christ. Amen. We can rest on the promises. We can rest in the finished work. We can know that God has already done what we need done, and we can have confidence and faith in it. Amen. So it's not the picture of somebody in a hammock doing nothing. And I'm sorry, that's been preached to a, to a fault. It's been preached to the extreme. And uh, we are to do something. Amen. <laughs> and in fact, we can't even get saved without doing our part. It's not just automatic. Um, if it was, we could just all be universalist and inclusionist. And uh, that's where it kind of leads you. If you're not careful, you'll end up in error thinking, well, it's already all been done. And so everybody's saved. They just don't know it. And uh, our job is to tell them. And that's it. Well, no. Uh, Romans 10, we won't turn there, but just think about it. It says, confession is made unto righteousness or salvation. Amen. So with the, with the heart, man believes. That's an action on our part. And with the mouth, confession or confesses. Confession is made unto salvation. Amen. So we can, we, we have our part to do. Jesus had his part to do. How many believe that? He did his part. He, how many know he was called to die on the cross? He was called to give his life. Uh, nobody took his life. He willingly gave it up. For you and for me and the whole world. Amen. While he was on the cross, we were on his mind. It's a great song. Brother Copeland sings. <laughs> Amen. But while we were, while we were, uh, not even, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he did it all as far as there's no more price to be paid for sin. You don't have to promise to do better to become righteous. You don't have to try and, you know, lose weight or stop smoking or whatever to be saved. Amen. But the Lord will help you, you know, uh, overcoming things and so forth. But when it, when it comes just to receiving salvation, the, the first step in, in your journey with God, you have to do something. You have to believe and you have to receive and you have to say something. Amen? Now, there's not a formula just exactly what to say. You know, some churches get married to their saying what they say if you don't say it the way we say it, you're not saved. If you don't, if you don't baptize the way we baptize, you're not baptized. If you don't do it, you know, all this stuff, you get into denominational wars over how to do it. <laughs> but, uh, I know the thief on the cross said, remember me, and he got saved. So, you know, there's, there's not any set formula. Uh, it's just believe with the heart and confess with the mouth. Amen. Preach! Pasta. All right, praise God. We more the more the New Jersey people move in, the more I hear that accent. Around. <laughs> you got any uh, steaks or some hamburger meat? You know. Okay. Hebrews <laughs> three seven. Uh, again, he says, "Wherefore 
um, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, uh, if you will hear his voice, how many will hear his voice? Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, 40 years they saw. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always cry in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Uh, wow, isn't that something? Seeing the works of God, you know, the, the, the pillar of smoke and the cloud, and being fed uh, manna from heaven, being fed quail, being fed all the things. And, and, and the Bible says he brought them out. There wasn't one feeble among them. Their shoes didn't even wear out. I mean, that's really quite a miracle. And yet it says that they had a hard heart. Now, let me tell you what the Bible calls a hard heart. Uh, here is a perfect example of forgetting the ways of God, forgetting the goodness of God, forgetting the miracles of God, almost forgetting who God is. We get we get in fear, we get nervous, we get sometimes you know a little doubt, doubting, and it's because we have a hardened heart. You you wouldn't think that. You'd say, oh no, now Pastor, I don't have a hard heart. I love Jesus. Oh how I love Jesus. You know, I, I just love the Lord. And, um, uh, and, and like Norval used to say, bluebird, bluebirds love the Lord. Um, <laughs> just because you love the Lord doesn't mean you're totally walking in everything you could be. Amen. There's a lot of folks that love the Lord. Just if you put a gun to their head, or do you love the Lord? Yes. But uh, this is beyond just loving the Lord in some general way. It's remembering his goodness. It's remembering his greatness. It's remembering who he is, you know, in the land of the living. Amen? You get anything out of that? Amen. And so you can see the hardness of heart comes from forgetting God's miracle power. Now, I can prove that again. We won't turn there again. We don't have time. But in uh, in um, Mark 16, where he's talking to them, this is kind of his final words before he's going to ascend. And he's, that's where we have the Great Commission is from, uh, part of the Great, half of the Great Commission is there. The other is in Matthew. But in the Great Commission, he says, uh, you know, go into all the world, preach the gospel. How many are familiar with that? You know, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That, that's not preached much anymore, but it's there. Sorry, I didn't write it. You know, sent your complaint letter to, uh, the top floor. But, uh, and like I said, I don't know what damned means to you, but I don't think it's good. I don't think I want to have any of that around. It's a, it's a curse. Um, so, in other words, he's saying those who re- believe are blessed and those who reject are cursed. That's pretty wild. And damned and damned to hell. But um, there, he's he's also rebuking them. He's giving them the Great Commission, but before he does, he rebukes them for the hard heart. And he said the reason that they have a hard heart, it isn't just because they got distracted by the world. I mean, we've heard all the reasons that a person can have a hard heart. But before the distraction by the world and worldliness comes, something else happens before that. 
And what it is, is forgetting the miracle. He said, you forgot the miracle of the loaves and fishes. So in other words, when you get in doubt and unbelief and fear about God providing for you, God put not only barely, so you barely make it just one toe over the line, (laughs) uh, that uh, he's providing so much, he's provided so much on that day of the loaves and fishes that they had to collect baskets full of the leftovers. And when we're talking baskets, we're not talking about a little, you know, Easter bonnet bonnet basket. We're talking about enough that like three or four men could get in. We're talking about Mediterranean fishing baskets. If you've ever seen one of those, they're something. I mean, they're huge. You couldn't put it in the back of your car. It's so big, you know. And so there was 12 of those big baskets of leftovers that they didn't even eat from uh, feeding the 5,000. So, and that wasn't, there was more than 5,000 people. There was 5,000 men, 5,000 men. So we don't know how many, you know, you could almost count as probably that many women and maybe just as many children. So we don't know. It could have been 15 to 20,000 that were actually fed on that day. But he said uh, that your heart is hardened because you have forgotten the miracle. And so the, on the way to being distracted by the world and worldliness and all the things that we usually think in Pentecost, um, something else has happened. And that is, again, I'm repeating myself on purpose. We have a hard heart. And a hard heart then makes us vulnerable to sin, makes us vulnerable to temptation because we're just kind of glazed over. So we want to make sure... That's why we used to sing the old song, count your blessings, name them one by one, tell what God's done. It's good to do that. It's good to, to go through. If you've got a financial need, if you've got a physical need, you've got a, an emotional need or social need or something that you really need to have happen in your life, promotion at work or whatever, you can um, actually go through and remember. You say, well, I don't really have that many testimonies of the goodness of God. Well, quote the ones from the Bible then. You know, it's, hey, we're in the same line. Amen. Quote, go study the miracle of the loaves and fishes. Go study how God provided. Amen. They ran out of refreshment at the wedding of Cana and Jesus fixed it. Amen. So go through what the Lord has done for others and he will do the same for you. Amen. Praise God. I think that's an encouraging word tonight. And um, sometimes if you're in fear or you're in doubt and unbelief, it is because you have forgotten the goodness of God and you're not thinking right. You know, it's a little brain damage, actually, from from uh, not literally, but spiritually. It's like spiritual brain damage, isn't it, to to get into fear and to. Say, well, I don't know. I know God's God's provided for me before, but this is a really big deal, Pastor David. You need to understand what we're going through, you know. So that you can get into that, and if you're not careful, you lose faith altogether. And then you start the bad thing. You know what the bad thing about that is? You start expecting the worst to happen. You brace yourself for a crash. The brakes have gone out and you're 
you know, in Northern California on the side of a cliff on a road they actually close three days before, but you didn't see the sign. Ask me how I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how you can begin to feel. And if you're not careful, you'll brace yourself for the accident, for the crash, for something bad to happen, knock you in the head. And uh, so, you know, you get, you get what you, if you're not careful, you'll start saying that. You understand? You'll start saying it. And then you're declaring it. Brother Copeland used to say that um, he'd make a bad confession, you know, just, well, I don't know, you can hear him, you know, Gloria, this is going to work or whatever. And she would say, do you want me to agree with you in the name of Jesus, <laughs> what you just said? <laughs> I love that, don't you? You want me to agree with you? You know, you say something really horrible about yourself. You want me to agree with you? I don't think so, you know. Um, I've had people come to me and literally say, Pastor, I need agreement. I'm really sick. <laughs> and I've said, you want me to agree with what you just said? Or are we going to agree on the word? Amen. <laughs> well, I knew it was a figure of speech, but it is kind of funny, isn't it? Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm about to lose my house. Will you agree with me? Okay, I agree with you. You're going to lose your house. <laughs> well, they, they don't mean that, you know, but it's how it comes out sometimes. And I say, well, tell me something to agree. Give me something to it. What scripture? See, this is, we need to ask each other this when we ask for prayer. The mature believer will get this. And I believe we have a church of mature believers. <laughs> Amen. And, but the mature believer, uh, when they ask for prayer, they'll, and you say, what scripture are you standing on? They'll have one. They'll have a scripture. Well, or they'll say, you know what? I need a scripture. Can you offer me one? And I'll say, well, I can, let's do two or three and see what the word says. And then, then we can get an agreement on, on what the Bible says about your situation. That's, that's pretty good right there. That'll help you when nothing else will. Um, so he said, uh, they shall not enter in, uh, to my rest. Take heed. How many believe if the word says take heed, we should, in other words, hey, pay attention. <laughs> snap, snap, slap, you know, get up, knock it, knock, knock it off. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. So unbelief, God calls an evil heart. Now we would think of an evil heart as somebody that wants to do harm or, or some big sin, you know, fornication or whatever. We'd say, well, that's an evil heart. And that's all true. But he's calling unbelief an evil heart. In departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. Amen. Let's, let's encourage one another. When we talk, talk on the phone or something, somebody's discouraged or whatever, you can tell it. Don't rebuke them for being discouraged, but encourage them. Amen. The greatest, the greatest uh, medicine for discouragement is encouragement. And say, you know, let me, I, I hear what you're saying and I know you're having a hard day, but let me encourage you in the Lord. Amen. Let me tell you, you know, here's some good news. I, I, you know, maybe you got bad news from the doctor or bad news from the accountant or somebody. 
But here's some good news. Amen. Exhort one another once a month, daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So again, sin doesn't start with, you know, some, you know, bad flesh action, horrible thing. Sin starts with a hard heart. Sin starts with refusing to continue to believe God. Yeah, well, I always believe in God, but then things got worse, so I don't know. You know, well, you've got a hard heart. You need to cure that. Amen. Um, uh, he says, the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, verse 14. I don't know if we're going to get through all this tonight, but I'm, I'm trying. I'm on the, I'm on the express lane here. For we are made partakers of Christ if, ooh, oh, no, there's some, there's some caveat here. <laughs> there's some condition. Now see, the grace camp, the faith camp, the faith camp will crucify you for saying the word grace. The grace camp will crucify you for saying the word faith. But we need both of them. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, isn't it? We need both. We need to understand that what Jesus has finished, but then we also need to understand our part. And that some of the blessings of God, while available, number one, while provided already by the work of the cross, and, and especially not just the cross, but from the cross to the throne and everything that happened. Amen. Yeah. I'll tell you a good book for Christian growth that every believer should get. I'll probably get some snotty mail for this one, but it's true. Everybody should get E.W. Kenyon's book, From the Cross to the Throne. Yeah. And you'll understand all that Jesus did. And uh, I know there's some Pentecostal preachers even that don't like that book, but I think it's wonderful. And, you know, maybe there's some little tiny part you don't like, so just spit that out, you know. But but overall, I think 99.9% of it is really excellent. And uh, and if you do some study at home or whatever, and I've got all of Kenyon's, we've got all of Kenyon's books. Between Scarlett and I, we probably have three of each. But um, every now and then, you know, uh, sometimes I'll go a um, couple of years or whatever and not look at it. But every now and then, I'll just go find me a good Kenyon book. And he's got many. You should read them. All right. Just saying. Beats Mad Magazine. Um, okay. Where, where, where did we stop? Fourteen. Uh, for we are made partakers of Christ. If, now see we're talking a condition now. Now technically on God's part you are already a partaker of Christ, but on your part you're not going to realize it or get the benefit of it if you don't do what we're told to do. Sorry. For my grace friends, please don't send me a, you know, letter bomb or something. Um, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast, 
until the end. So at any moment you let go of your confidence in God and the Word, you at that point have cut yourself off from being a partaker of the divine nature. And I don't care how many times you jump around in the meeting and sing a song about being a, I'm a partaker of his divine nature. Um, you, the, the real test of that is if you hold fast your confidence. Is that okay to say that? My Lord, they won't have that at the seeker convention. For one thing, I'm overdressed. I'm supposed to have holes in my jeans. So. An earring and a tattoo. Uh, for some, when they had heard, did provoke. How be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? It was not with them that had sinned, was it not? Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell into the wilderness? And to whom aware uh, he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they, we see, here's the, here's the, the therefore, or thus. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief, not because it wasn't God's will, not because he hadn't made a way, not because the provision was not there. It's their fault that they didn't enter in. It was their fault because of the unbelief. And they allowed a hard heart and got into unbelief and got cut off from the blessing of God. Now, isn't it funny when people get cut off from the blessing of God, some Calvinistic preacher wants to say, well, you just never know what the Lord's going to do. We never know what his will is. He's just, you know, they lose their minds over that. Uh, but that's ridiculous. We do know. It's right here. Because of unbelief, they couldn't enter in. Not because it wasn't the Lord's will. Well, you know, the Lord will have his will no matter what. No, is that, oh, oh, really? Oh, really? Well, I can see you haven't read the Bible. Because the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish and go to hell. And yet we know that millions will and have already. So that's, that's the, you know, it's religious. It sounds good. It looks good on paper. But it's not the word. Amen. Well, I'm, I, have, I have no interest in promoting or protecting religion. I only want to be a, a man of the word. And uh, I probably got some religion in me and some problems, you know, that we all do a little bit. But we, we try to, if we see it, we try to get rid of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all getting anything out of this? I got, I got, oh, look at that. I got like 20 minutes. Glory! All right. <laughs> Hebrews 4. Let us, therefore, in other words, you know, if the word therefore is there, you got to see what it's there for. Uh, therefore means that you would have had to have read, you can't start a sermon in Hebrews 4.1 because you have to, have known what is before it. So if you see the word therefore, you have to go back and read a few verses at least. Because you don't, it's a culmination, right? It's a, it's the resolving of what was just said. So because of all that, how many see what happened? Let us therefore fear. Now, 
we not <laughs> we not only are encouraged to not have a hard heart and believe God that we should be in fear of 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 letting uh any of that happen to us because it's serious and it's scary. Fear in a reverential way, you know, respectful. It's like if you're going to march through the woods in Florida, you need to have a healthy fear of poisonous snakes because they're there and you don't need to be flippant about them. You see when, oh, that's just the copperhead. Hey, what's your name? I'm from PETA. I've come to save you. No, uh, you know, <laughs> um, that that's ridiculous. If you see something that could bite you and harm you, you you have a healthy fear of it, right? You back up. It doesn't mean you're in fear. You need to go to the cast out the spirit of fear revival, but you you <laughs> you or some other weird thing. Get the bucket and puke in it. We went through that era, but um, praise God. Um, um, you know, we have a fear that's healthy, that's, that's right. Amen. Like a fear of the bus coming at you at the crosswalk. You know, you need to maybe let the bus go ahead. Don't be stupid. Well, it was the thing said to come and I knew there was a bus coming, but I went out there anyway because I'm not afraid of anything. Well, then you're an idiot, right? You have to have a healthy fear of certain things. So here's a healthy fear right here. Let us therefore fear lest a pr- promise being left us of entering into his rest, um, any of you should seem to come short of it. Folks, we have this glorious salvation and deliverance and, and provision from Jesus, the Son of God and from God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to come short of any of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. Uh, but the word preached did not profit them. Wow, you could hear the best sermon ever preached on the earth and, and it not profit you. I've seen that happen. I've seen people that were on fire for God, seen like, and they were in church, and they were hearing the word, and... Brother Hagin's meeting or Bible school or whatever, and just going on and all and all and in God and, and big with the Lord. And then you see them a few days later, or not days, usually years later, you see them. And they're just a different person that you, you can't even believe that they don't even seem like they're believers anymore. I mean, they don't, where do y'all go to church now? Well, we really haven't found one that suits us. Well, then you're an idiot too. Because there's plenty of churches and something should be able, you should get along with believers some way. You know, you cannot continue to blame that on, well, I haven't found the perfect church. Well, I pray you don't. Because if you go there, it won't be perfect anymore. With that attitude. Isn't that the truth? And uh, uh, so, you you know... You know, we don't always get it our way, but you, you just, you figure out where's the best. It's like picking a restaurant to eat at. You know, it might, it might not be everything there is just absolutely letter perfect, but you know, if you're getting fed and, <laughs> and you're being satisfied and you feel like it's a good deal, that's where you'll go. Amen. And so it's the same with church. 
or whatever, but people who heard the word and it didn't profit them. You think, oh, they should be further along. You ever thought that, Pastor Scott? That person should be further along. They should be standing, you know, in faith more and, and, and working the things of God. And then you find out that there's no, there was no faith mixed with it. It was just, you wonder what on earth, what on earth? We sat side by side at the same meetings and the same, same word. And, and now what's the problem, you know? All right. Okay. Let's keep going. Praise the Lord. I can see the barn. We're almost there plowing with the mule. Praise the Lord. For we which have believed, say that's me. We who have believed do enter into rest. Like we're, remember what rest means. The, the, we're, we're like the building resting on a foundation. We're secure. We're confident. We're, in, we're resting on the finished work. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished, see, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. We're not trying to help God finish anything. We're walking in what he has finished. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, again, harden not your hearts. Remember, I want you to get this tonight. Remember... What causes a hard heart? It's forgetting the miracles of God, forgetting the power of God, forgetting that you're talking about the Lord God Almighty. Harden not your heart. We say, you know, I titled this, Enter into the Rest. But the only way you can do that is to not have a hard heart. You can't go into the rest with a hard heart. Because you'll get overwhelmed with the circumstances. How many knows what it feels like to be overwhelmed with circumstances? Anybody ever been there? Just me? I'm the only one. Okay, y'all pray. I should sit down and y'all preach because I'm, I'm pathetic. No, we all, we all have struggled with the circumstances and the bad news. But we're going to not have a hard heart here. Amen. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have been spoken of another day? There remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Say, that means me. Yeah. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. We're not working to make this happen. Faith is not working to make something happen. Faith is not working to get God to do something. Hey, God, look at me. Hey, hello. You know, that is not prayer. That is not the idea. It's, Lord, I receive what you've done. Faith is, I am resting on your promises, and I'm declaring 
that your works are perfect and you have not forsaken me and you're putting me over. That's faith. Faith isn't trying to, you know, sing loud enough and clap hard enough. And my mother said one time, some ladies came by to her and said, we want to go to this one meeting. And she said, I, I'm not going. And they said, why, Sister Horton? And she said, I'm tired of running through troops and jumping over walls. Because you go to some of these charismatic meetings and they work you to death almost trying to have a meeting. You know, I mean, it's, you ever been there? They've sung an hour and 45 minutes and and they've taken authority over. They've named the demons over the city and taken authority and rented a helicopter to fly over it. And I mean, it's like, really? Yes, it take that much effort to have church, you know? Then they're, like I've said, you know, they'll be singing warfare songs and pointing at the ceiling, commanding stuff to come down. I've said, you know, that proves they got a problem right there. The devil's under our feet. He's not on top of our head while we're shouting at him. If, if the devil's up there, you're in trouble. I'm telling you, the devil's down here. If you're going to yell at the devil, at least look at the floor. He's the gumball you stepped on on the sidewalk. Smashing him around. Don't forget that. He's under our feet. Paul said that too in Ephesians. And the devil's under our feet. And sickness is under our feet. Poverty is under our feet. And lack and failure and discouragement and fear and darkness is under our feet. Preach, brother. (laughs) Amen. Well, I laugh because I got the joy of the Lord. But that's faith. Faith is declaring what's already been done. See, it says, um, he that's entered in has ceased from his own works. You're not trying to do anything. You're not trying to produce. Well, you're walking in prosperity. Yeah, we're just about to work our brains out. Well, then you don't know anything about prosperity. Prosperity doesn't equal working your brains out. It's it's resting in God. Amen. And then if you do have some works that you do with your hand that provides some income or something, it's a joy for you. It's not a, oh, God, I'm going to get up and go to work. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Well, he ain't helping you with what you just said. He's not helping you struggle and groan and be the crabby guy in the cubicle next, you know, Gilbert over here in the thing uh has uh ceased from his own works as god did from his let's let's keep reading here this is really good scripture isn't it let us labor therefore oh well there is labor brother david there it says it yes let's see what we're going to labor to do let us labor are we going to work at something what are we going to work at Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Our effort comes in in staying in rest. Means, or you could translate that, staying in faith. Staying in confidence that God's word is true. Say, well, I know, but I have these thoughts. Oh, really? You know what that means? You have a brain. Praise the Lord. We all, we all have thoughts. We all have doubts and fears that, that 
that present themselves, don't we, on a daily basis. Say, well, I want to get to the place where I don't ever have any of that. All right, we can pray that. Killer Lord. Because that's where you get to the place where you don't have any of that. It's in called heaven, and you're not there yet. Holiday's nice, but it's not heaven, okay? Just telling you. All right. So, uh, <laughs> we, you know, people say, well, I just have these thoughts that come against. Well, of course you do. It's called warfare. And, and welcome to the club. Hey, we all have thoughts. The devil says, he's, and how many know the minute we say that, the flag, red flag should go up because he's a liar and a friar. Chicken fried fried. Chicken fried devil. I'm telling you, deep fat, lard. That's different from the Lord. The lard. The devil's fried and lard, hot boiling, I'm telling you. Because he's a liar, liar, pants on fire. So the liar, liar, pants on fire comes around and says a bunch of stuff to you. Talking smack, as we say now. Talking trash, you know? And uh, people say, oh, the devil's just telling me this isn't going to work. Is he? Wow! That's shocking. Of course that's what he's saying. Because he wants you to have a hardened heart so that you don't enter into the promised land. So that you don't, where is the promised land? It's came in over yonder when we cross Jordan. No, the promised land is living in Christ now. Amen. It includes heaven, but don't make that mistake like we used to preach and sing. Of down here it's trouble and trial, down here in the pits below. And then, you know, when we all get to heaven, it'll be great. Stop in the name of Jesus with that. And, and, and talk about victory in Jesus now. Amen. Yeah, heaven's spectacular and wonderful and we should sing about it and preach about it. But here can be great too because we're already living in the promised land. We're not crossing Jordan into it. We cross Jordan into it when we heard the gospel. Mm, get it straight. Well, I just love that quartet that sang that. Well, God love them, but you turn the music off. Because that has nothing to do. You like them. That doesn't mean what everything they sing is right. Well, now, you're talking about gospel music. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's misnamed. They might want to call it religious music or something, but it's not all gospel. Some of it is. Thank God most of it is, but a lot of it's not. And uh, you you can discern, come on. You can say, well, I like that tune, but I can't listen to the words. If you need to, if you need to put your own words on it. I, I've changed words. Like that song. They used to sing, I'm, tr- I, I, I'm trading my sorrows for the joy of the Lord. Well, we, we traded those back when we got saved. So we changed the words to, I traded my sorrows for the joy of the Lord. You see, you just change it a little bit and you have a song worth singing. Otherwise, you know, the shredder. 
Sorry, it's just the truth. Well, now I know the sister that wrote that song and she loves Jesus. Great. She needs to write the word next time. Amen. You know, people just get all up in arms over emotional, religious baloney and want, and roll it up and want you to eat it. And you're going, no, I don't think so. All right. Look, I got, I got half a minute. Mm. So let us labor. So what's our, our, this is the final. What's our work? Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest or faith or confidence. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Amen? Well, I don't want to fall. How about you? I don't want to fail. How about you? Now, let me tell you, where, where, I don't want to fall where sin's concerned. I don't want to fall where sickness is concerned. I don't want to fall where poverty is concerned. Into any of those things. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. I'm not under the curse. For Jesus has set me free. For sickness I've helped. For poverty wealth. Since Christ has ransomed me. Amen. And so that's our song and that's what we believe. Hallelujah. Well, that's good. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word tonight. And uh, praise him for it. And uh, thank you, Lord, that you help us by the Holy Spirit to walk in this truth and to recognize when our hearts are tempted to be hardened, forgetting your promises, forgetting your love and, 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 and your miracles. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.